Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. We continue to reach new milestones with the Walk Show. The show's been listened to all over the United States and in over 40 countries around the world. I greatly appreciate your continued listenership and ask that you continue to share the show with your friends. The only real promotion the show gets is actually that of the word of mouth sharing, so it really does go a long way and it really does mean a lot. As always, the music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you very much, Misha. Last week on the show, we heard from Dakota Grady, who talked about the importance of budgeting to take control of your personal finances. Another significant tool in being financially secure is investing. There are many ways and places that one can invest, but perhaps one of the newest is actually cryptocurrency. We're joined today all the way from the United Kingdom by Luke Appleton, who hosts the YouTube channel 10X Nation. Luke is actually a full-time investor and trader who started his YouTube channel in late 2019 to start promoting grounded investment information on his channel. Uh, note that I said information and not advice. Luke is not trying to advocate that you know you should make this trade on this day or that trade on that day or anything like that, and instead is really just trying to help people understand the basics of investing. Luke also teaches about stocks and equities in addition to cryptocurrency. There, unfortunately, is a lot of snake oil in the world of financial advice, but Luke is incredibly earnest in his messaging, which is, you know, of course, very important to me. Uh, while Luke trades himself, he actually suggests that the vast majority of people focus on long-term passive investing instead of trying to engage in constant trades, as that's really where the significant risk comes in. I really enjoyed the conversation with Luke, and I have been watching his YouTube channel as it really does break down and explain plainly a lot of information about investing. So I really encourage you to, to check out 10X Nation, his YouTube channel. But yeah, without further ado, let's get on to the conversation with Luke. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, Luke Appleton from 10X Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Walker. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, man. So um, I actually was introduced to you kind of through a friend of mine who, who's been on the show many times. Chris Crabtree is his name. Um, but he has, has in the last few months, started um, kind of dabbling in trading uh, in stocks and, and then also with some cryptocurrencies. And he had discovered your channel on YouTube. Um Something that's that's really important to to what I do here with the Walk Show is is trying to to discuss ideas and explore ideas, really whatever they may be, but but keeping it grounded and earnest and, and not making it sensationalized, and um, that's what Crabtree and and then he showed me your videos and I've watched some of them as well, and that's what we both kind of took away from your videos is that especially when it comes to to the stock market and stuff, you know, for, for laymen like ourselves, it can be kind of intimidating to learn about and it can feel, um, like, like you're dealing with like snake oil salesmen, if you know what I mean? Yeah, like people yeah. that are, yeah, they're overhyping things and I'm not trying to flatter you too much, but, but my point just being that the, uh, the reason that I was excited to, to, to have the opportunity to talk to you is that I think that your content is very grounded and very earnest. Um, and it doesn't feel like you're pushing, you know, you, you don't constantly refer back to, and if you buy my book, you can find out, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like there's no, none of that. Um, but anyway, so, so, so really cool, really cool content. So, yeah. So why don't you kind of explain to, to the audience, um, 
who is Luke Appleton and, and why do you have the, the YouTube channel that you do yeah. talking about trading and investing? Yeah, well, I like how you went down the path of like, in a way, I want to try and make my content as natural as possible. And I want to get my personality because I think that's really important. And I feel like with these type of markets is a very robotic market. And it's, by getting my personality into my content, I hope it can make it more enjoyable to watch and make the content more understanding because you did touch on it is very it is a very complex topic, especially going into the world of cryptography, which I would not consider myself nearly an expert in. And I mean that that there is some going into the real under the hood of, of what Bitcoin is. It's a really very complex system and a very complex world. Um, going back to the YouTube channel, that that's the whole but that was the whole point of this was I wanted to be able to get my thoughts out to people because I, I kept repeatedly getting asked the questions of what's this, what, what, how do I do this? And I, I was kind of a lot of the reason why I wanted to um, build this YouTube channel. And the, and the second part as to a um, big reason was there, there's, I, I don't want to swear, but there's a lot of BS on um, from so many different content creators out there a lot of shilling, a lot of scams, a lot of a lot of that you do get within cryptocurrency. So I also wanted to make the channel to separate the black from the white and be able to go, this is this is what it is. And that's what I try to do anyway on the content and hopefully be able to get to a big enough position. Um, I don't know if you have it in the States, but definitely here in the UK on Instagram, we have a lot of influencers who most definitely aren't traders and i want to be able to get to a position where i can call these people out for who who they are because that <laughs> isn't the world of trading and that's what my channel is about i want to introduce people to what it is about how it realistically is and hopefully um yeah yeah t teach people along the way right no that no that's awesome um yeah i i can't say i can speak to the prevalence of instagram influencers that are posing as traders but um, there's certainly a lot of very bizarre Instagram influencers out there that probably need, need someone to call them out. So I'm, I'm with you on that piece. Um, nice. <laughs> so, so how long have you been, how long have you been an investor? Yeah, of course. Um, so originally going back to the story of myself, really, I, I didn't touch on that too much. Um, originally I was a poker player. Um, okay. and, um, I, I, I was all right. Um, the, the highest that I ever got to, um, I competed in the European Poker Tour Barcelona leg little last year, last summertime, probably rough. No, probably just over a year and a half ago. Um, and I came 200 or something for a cash of just under $10,000, which was pretty nice. I played a lot of, on yeah. oh yeah, yeah, really good. Um, I played a lot of online poker when I was to, whilst I was at university as well. Um, and during my time at university, I, I, I studied in sports science and I absolutely, I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't stand it. I, I went to um, Loughborough University and I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it's one of the leading universities within the United Kingdom for sport. I'm a, I'm a hockey player at heart. Um, okay. So that was the reason I went there and I completely lost interest in my studies and I found a lot of interest in, in poker. And um, along the same time of that, I was also um, learning to study Forex trading because obviously that was, a, it was they, they're very directly correlated in a lot of ways. When it comes to um, poker, a, a big part of that is risk management and understanding how to preserve your capital, 
Um, and that taking it over to trading helped to build that foundation of when I started Forex trading originally. This is probably about five years ago now. Um, and I was demo trading the accounts. Um, and from there, after after I was demonstrating the accounts, maybe two years, I started slowly con- turning over a little bit of profit on them. And I thought, right, maybe now's the time, especially as I had built up a bit of a portfolio from poker, maybe transfer some of that over um, to the trading aspect of it. And um, during my time at university, whilst I was doing the trading and the poker, I also got into crypto at the right time. I made the transition very nicely at the sort of the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, just after it beat its 1K heights. I could see, I obviously understood what it was, but I wasn't trading it. And I I saw it going past these um, heights of 1K and breaking its all-time highs. And I was like, wow, there, there must be really something here. And that's when I, again, instead of focusing on my studies, I then started concentrating on teaching myself Bitcoin, understanding this market, I decided to make the decision to switch out of um, Forex and move over to crypto, um, mostly by luck, uh, hands down, mostly by luck. And um, <laughs> yeah, um, and then with, with everything, I, I've been very lucky. Um, I, I hands down say I, I've been lucky with poker. I was lucky with, with transitioning over to crypto. And by the time I came to leave university, which was just over two years ago, um, I'm now in a position where I've been able to take this on full time. I, I did actually work at a financial advisor's for about three weeks and then just straight dropped out of that. And yeah, yeah. Went, went back to trading. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, so, th- so that's a really interesting um, point and something that I, I had had was thinking before we, we started talking about, about asking you about, and you've just provided a very natural segue. Um, and, and that is that when it comes to investing, um, at least in, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like I'm I'm trying to sound more sophisticated than I actually am, so I don't mean to to, to throw around terms yeah. incorrectly, but like paper markets, right? Like stocks or um, currencies or, or or things that are not hard assets, as opposed to something like if you were gonna actually buy and take possession of like gold and silver, or if you were gonna buy real estate and, yeah. and invest in that, right? Yeah. Um, in those areas, there seems to be you have you have closer control you have just really more power in a lot of ways over what happens with that asset whereas when it comes to stocks and currencies and things like that you're you're not really i mean unless you're <laughs> unless you're a shareholder that's holds so much in a, in a particular company that you can be on the board you you probably don't have a lot of actual power to exercise over the com- the decisions that a given company might make and so it feels to me kind of like gambling and, and gambling maybe isn't isn't really fair because that could mean slot machines. And it doesn't I don't think it's like that. But poker is a really, really good kind of analogous thing to that. So w- would you compare and I guess maybe there's a distinction between investing and trading. Would you say that's yes, true? 100 percent. Oh, yeah. We can okay. get into that if you would like. Yeah. Yeah, if if you wouldn't mind, maybe what, what how would you explain the difference between what yeah, it is to course. be an investor versus a trader? Yeah, so I'm um, being an investor, and I am both. And I think before like the the important thing with anything is your investment should always come first over your trades. And when we look at an investment, 
We're looking much longer term. These are the assets that you can build under yourself, like having your own house, being able to pay off your mortgage. And then, you know, if everything goes to that down pot, at least you can fall back on that. But um, your, your investments are, are stuff that you are putting. It doesn't have to be your money, but your time into your resources into. And that's looking to build yourself, not just as a person, but building your portfolio up over a much, much longer period of time. So when I'm looking for my investments, you know, and we, we can go into Bitcoin here. I, I'm a prim primarily a Bitcoin trader. I don't really trade the stock market. I used to trade a lot of Forex. Now, when it comes to trading, I only trade Bitcoin, but I also have my Bitcoins as an investment because I believe fundamentally in it and I believe it will very much rise over time. So I have those Bitcoins that I just sit on. Okay. And they're, they won't be touched. They're, they're, they're in the background. And then I have, when I invest into the stock market as well, you know, I, I'm sitting on those for five plus years. You have different strategies of what you can do through different like ETF investing, investing into different funds or investing into uh, dividend stocks where you, where you get paid out that passive income. And, you know, with, with an investment, you're just there looking to just sit on it and, you know, just make money while you're sleeping. And, and that's kind of the difference with these. And when I trade, it's, it's different to this because you're looking at a much shorter period of time. And when I make a trade, it. Um, th this will be much more comparing it to something like poker because necessarily you can most definitely gamble when it comes to poker and you can most definitely gamble when it comes to trading. But if you understand what you're doing, I wouldn't call myself when I was playing poker a gambler because mm. I knew I was playing a correct strategy. And with that strategy, yes, in many people's eyes, it might have been considered gambling, but I was netting myself long, consistent money. Because if you looked at it as a um, expected value over time, the strategy that I was playing was going to net me money in the long run. Now, obviously, luck is involved when you're playing cards and luck is very much involved when you make a trade as well. You know, I don't hit every single one of my trades. You know, you might you might hit maybe 60 percent of your trades, 65 percent of your trades. But with trading, how it's different. You're playing uh, what are called stops and you're also looking for your take profits. Now, if I was risking just keep it really simple and say $100 on a trade, but I was looking to reward myself with $200 because I was looking to hit that certain price in the market, say Apple stock or whatever it is, or, or Amazon. I think Amazon's trading at $2,500 per stock roughly at the moment. Say I thought it was going to go to $260. Okay, so I'd want to get one stock bought at $2,500, but then I might have a stop loss going right. If it, if it hits this price below that, I'll cut me out and I'll just take my loss on that. And that might be $50 underneath that price so um 2450 okay and then it, and then if it hits that, that that's fine i lose that 50 dollars on that trade and i'm out but if i win that and i win that trade 60 percent of the time let's say you know in the long run i'm netting myself money and and that's the difference with trading you know i will lose a lot of trades and but that that doesn't matter because i've got the winning strategy of what, how i've been playing it how you adapt it over time very similar to poker and you just look for that next trade you know if you bust out that poker tournament if you lose that poker hand you go onto the next hand, you know, and you, and you play the card. You play, you play what you see in front of you, and then you don't need to get emotionally tied to it. Whereas with your investments, you're not so much doing this because you're looking much further down the line. You know, you're not having those stops on where you're going to cash out. And you know, if it drops with investing, this is you need to you need to think of it as like everything is on sale. You know, because it's like walking into Ferrari or your favorite car shop. And, you know, if the stock market's down 30% on an investing standpoint, it's you should be celebrating because it's like, how often do you get to go buy 
I don't know, whatever it is that you want and everything's 30% off on sale, you know, you just want to load up on everything. That That's how you should be viewing your investments. Whereas with your trading, you have predetermined points of where you need to cut yourself out. Right. Okay. So investing a much more um, long-term and potentially passive engagement versus trading is a much more active and involved. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. And, and with trading, you, you're never going to really over leverage yourself. It's about making consistent, but small wins, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people get very mixed up when, and why probably a lot of people don't become successful in trading. This is where poker taught me very well is that they get over, very over leveraged into their positions, you know, and then they might lose 20% of their account, 30% of their, account and that starts but getting very very hard to gain back from whereas with me i have just the cardinal rule if i ever make a trade i will never ever risk more than two percent of my account on a trade and that's just my trading account so that isn't even considering my investment so my whole total assets under management it comes to like 0.3 percent you know so I'm, I'm only gaining very very small wins and and that's right. where it's very different no, that makes sense. Well, and so, and, and so, you know, yourself now as someone who does trading, I mean, to call it a job isn't really fair because you're not going to an employer in the same way, but, but it's basically, it, but it is the work that you're, you're spending your time doing in order to generate an income. So yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that it's like, oh, if I want to be a, you know, a fancy stock guy or something, I just go on and, and, and find out that this company is going to explode tomorrow and so i'm going to invest in it today and then sell it tomorrow and i'm done and i've done you know i'm a millionaire overnight now or something yeah and it's actually a much more consistent engaged process that you're involved in that that leads you to success not comparing it back to, to 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 poker you're not just winning on one one hand right that's not what wins you the tournament kind of thing yeah exactly point you primarily invest in cryptocurrencies um and that's something that's interesting to me as an idea because to me it seems like on the one hand they're a currency so they're similar to dollars or pounds or euros or pesos or whatever but then on the other hand unlike those which as we've seen at least in the united states here recently they can just be printed <laughs> or <laughs> they need um with cryptocurrency, while it is a currency, it also shares something in common with like gold or silver, where there's a finite amount of it. Mm -hmm. So you can't just print more or add more, you know, if, if it's needed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess what attracted you to cryptocurrency to begin with? And and can you maybe kind of elaborate on those differences? Yeah, between no, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, of course. I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. How, how I, or where I first ever heard of Bitcoin. I can remember I was probably fifteen or sixteen, and I was at school, and I can remember um, someone telling me about the deep web and how you can have this internet money to. Um, and I, I, I think Bitcoin probably was priced at about 
$150 at the time. So I kind of gutted. I didn't tell mum and dad at the time to go, yo, chuck, chuck some money in this. Um, <laughs> then you could have had that one big win and walked yeah, away, right? Exactly. Then almost definitely had that big win. So that was my first sort of encounter with Bitcoin. But then, like, I, I mean, I was 16, 15, you know, I didn't really think about that stuff. I, I had different issues on my hand. Um, and then, um, as I, as I said, then I moved into the world of Forex and, um, that was just, that was just simply just trying to teach myself. I, I, I saw people trading and I was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, I was playing poker, saw the simple transition. And then over time with Forex, I'm not really sure how I maybe started becoming more familiar with it. But the time that I was like, whoa that like there's something really here because i was always tracking the different like i whenever i would throw up my charts you know i'd see the prices of different things and i could see bitcoin one day and i I saw it like fly past 1k and i was like i don't know i think it was like 1200 or something and i was like hold on a second like that that was like 800 like a few months ago what's going on here that's up 50 percent um I then started playing focus in it and actually started um, teaching myself fundamentally about what actually Bitcoin was. Um, and then I went down what you would call the rabbit hole as a um, crypto investor and someone inside of the and just just literally day after day, just trying to learn more, going, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Started fully actually teaching myself economics. I mean, the last time I fully was studying economics was at um, GCSE. But then I moved down, as I said, the sports route. Um, study sports science university and stuff like that so that kind of got put on hold but then I was kind of like wow this is amazing understanding sort of like new monetary systems understanding what the federal reserves you touched on like printing infinite Mm -hmm. amount of money what bitcoin was and then bitcoin started just like as as everyone knows the 2017 bull run kicked in and, and bitcoin went to 20k and like there was just complete and utter just euphoria just oh my god this is just going to go forever and then i very much got caught up on the whole altcoin cycle and and then um altcoin started booming through the absolute roof ethereum started just crashing up and everyone was looking for that next best sort of alternative to bitcoin and i most definitely got hurt in that um in that drop off as well. And I think anyone who says they didn't, I think probably aren't fully telling the truth on the full extent of that one. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then over time, I, I started studying altcoins more in depth. And I actually came to realize that I don't necessarily believe so much in the cryptocurrency space, more that I'm a believer in Bitcoin. And where a lot of people I know will disagree with my views on this kind of thing. But I would consider myself now much more of a Bitcoin maximalist because I'm not so much a believer in the blockchain technology, which is what revolves around cryptocurrencies, what makes them cryptocurrencies. I understood once I had better understanding of economics that it wasn't so much the um the the blockchain that was the powerful thing it was that that you couldn't produce more than 21 million bitcoins and then that mm. as that monetary system and as that comparison to gold as you hinted on because it is so scarce because we only have that 21 million you know there's nothing more scarce in the world it's more scarce than gold and i think if we compare that to something like gold which i think gives it i, I think when we when we gave gold its property of its value, you know, I think it's because it was such a scarce item, you know, and, and we could use that to interact. And that's why it started becoming as that sort of monetary system. And, you know, and I think that's what makes Bitcoin so powerful because it has so many of those same properties of gold, but yet it does them so much better. It's more scarce than gold. You, you know, it's more diversifiable than gold. We can, we can send it to anyone. I can send it to you within 
half an hour, you know, and it and it costs an absolute fraction of anything else that we can do. You know, there there is nothing out there. There's no technology out there which is so disruptive, not just as a money, but just as a as a physical commodity kind of as itself. It's such a powerful thing. Yeah. So. I think, like I said, I think that the the comparisons to to gold are are very interesting. Um, you know, so with gold or, or, or silver or something like that, you know, you can you can obviously buy those things directly, or you can invest in like ETFs where you're investing in a company that buys those things, but then you're not really taking possession of it, right? So you're still kind of at, it's still almost really just similar to buying you know any other stock. When it comes to Bitcoin, I understand that there are kind of similar offerings. Do you have any view on, on like, should a person, if they want to invo- invest in Bitcoin, should they be getting their own digital wallet and yes. investing in it that way? Okay, not going through some intermediary. No, the, see, the problem is, it, like, there, there is no ETFs um, around Bitcoin at the moment. They are working very hard on trying to build one. But the problem why the Winkleboss twins didn't get theirs approved, uh, they on one big exchange called um, Gemini. They got theirs rejected. There's been many afters up. There's been many after theirs that have also been rejected because uh, the cryptocurrency space can be very, very easily manipulated and um, they can't um, build an ETF around a market that is so fragile in nature. And that's why it needs to grow market cap before something like that happens. But even so, when an ETF does come and the problem with um, investing into something like a Bitcoin ETF, because it will come one day that that, that will happen. Um, the issue is if you don't hold your keys, there's a classic saying, not your keys, not your Bitcoins. And, and that very much means if you buy your cryptocurrency, you buy your Bitcoin on an exchange, know that you actually don't have access to those Bitcoins. And there's a very classic example. And back in 2014, 2015, uh, there was the, the biggest exchange around called Mt. Gox. And what happened with Mt. Gox is that it was actually hacked for, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it, it made it go into liquidation and it stole a lot, a lot of Bitcoins. And people to this day still haven't actually been paid back what they lost. And there's a big thing around it at the moment but the whole issue there was that they left their bitcoins on the exchange so the exchange had custody of their bitcoins and this is why we need to um when we hold our bitcoins and very much as my investment standpoint you need to transfer off the exchange you need to hold your keys through something called a hardware wallet so that way it's completely out of action of anywhere that can be accessed through the web, which hackers can have access to because you can't um, get it through that third party intermediary through that exchange. Okay. So, so yeah, if you don't mind, what is, what is the difference between a software wallet or a digital wallet and a hardware wallet? I mean, I know what the the difference between hardware and software are, but if, if you wouldn't mind elaborating on how that works specifically with relation to Bitcoin. Yeah, of course. Well, I think it's important to understand um, how Bitcoin works and um, to be able to sign a transaction for Bitcoin. You have something called your public key and um, you have your private key. Now, your private key is the really important thing for you. So when I want to send my Bitcoins to Walker, let's say, I will have your public address. And this is kind of like your home address of, of where I need to send those Bitcoins to. And now to actually validate that transaction, I have to make that crypto. Crypt, no. 
that cryptographic signature, um, which okay. is through my private keys because they're directly correlated to each other. So for me to actually be able to sign that transaction to validate it to go out to you, I would have to therefore then sign it with my private key. Now, what hardware wallets do is they store your private keys for you and, and they, it's, they store it in something called cold storage. And when you have cold storage, it means it is offline. So it's just like storing it on your USB and you hear many and many a people back from ages ago who stored their Bitcoins and they lost their private keys. And that would have meant they might have stored it on a USB or wherever it was. It got thrown away in the rubbish and now they don't have access to it. I mean, there's they have improved that kind of, but back then the custody solution was obviously a lot worse. Um, so going into, um, so with the hardware wallet, what, what it does is it stores it offline for you. So when you then um, put it back into your computer, then it gives you that access back to your private keys. Then you can therefore then sign that signature. Now, when you have it in um, on an exchange, it's called in a hot wallet, or they also have other forms of wallets as well. And that's where they hold your bitcoins in a big pool with everyone else's bitcoins and then they have accounts to try and obviously work out how much you actually hold within the different types of exchanges does that kind of answer your question yeah i think so um so so i, I guess i guess that was where i was kind of thinking though and i think you you spoke to this but um so if i have this hardware wallet i mean you mentioned before like maybe they had it on a usb drive and the usb mm -hmm. drive stopped working or gets lost or, or whatever and now they're just kind of <laughs> it's like they threw away a pile of cash or something. Yeah, right? yeah, like, of course. They just lost the physical thing. But with the hardware wallet you're talking about, I guess, how does that differ from a USB drive? Like, what is the protection? So, if yeah. Hardware yeah, there's different companies now called Ledger and Trezor. And um, I personally have a Trezor, but again, they're just as good as each other, really. It's like Nike and Adidas or whatever. And what these guys do is that they give you that hardware wallet. They have it on that USB. And then if you were to lose that USB, I think where you're trying to ask that, they you have backup seeds for that and you can store them in other places. Um, you also have other types of wallets which you can only make that cryptographic signature if you have it if you're accessing three different locations i think i think that's called casa hodl or something but um either way these type of hardware wallets if you were to lose that you still have your backup keys that you can then leave in your safe away from i would 100 obviously recommend leaving it away from where you store your um hardware wallet you want them in different locations but then if you were to lose your hardware wallet you can then put up into this backup seed into the software because when you plug it into the, your computer you'd need that software from trezor or ledger to be able to still access it because it isn't just as simple as just plugging it into your computer if that makes sense yeah yeah okay no that does make sense um it's it's funny that the, the backup uh, solutions or, or or best practices around cryptocurrency is actually just like the best backup practices for all data that you would have on a yeah. on, on a computer or something you know like multiple copies separate locations you know exactly.
to jump back to away from crypto for just a moment, but back to our, our earlier conversation, um, kind of about what it what it means to be a trader. So, would you say when you're looking at at trades, and I guess maybe with cryptocurrency, I don't know, it's still the same same thing. I think anyway. Um, are are you looking at trying to to whenever you're looking at trying to anticipate where the, the, the value of it is going to go, whether that be up or down and however you want to interact with that. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to anticipate what the market will do, are, are you looking at, you know, like I'm going to take it back to stocks because I have a, a slightly better understanding, although still very limited <laughs> understanding of that. But mm -hmm. like with stocks, it's like, you know, if, if you read about how to become a stock investor, they suggest that you go look at the financials of a company, yeah. right? So you go look at financial statements and evaluate those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of evaluations you're doing as a trader, or are you more looking at the the graphs of how it's been performing, and then based on what's what you're seeing there, yeah. making no, and, that yeah, sense? no, of course, yeah. So what you're referring to when you look at the graph is something called technical analysis, and I assume that's what you mean by drawing all the lines on the graph, all those fancy, yeah. and you see that, and uh, yeah, that that is part of it, but you should never prioritize that. And that's what I think I try to teach on my channel as well on the YouTube. And that's where I want to call out so many people is because they prioritize the line so much. And that, mm -hmm. and, and when you prioritize technical analysis, I could chuck a million lines on the graph to say it's Bitcoin's going down. And I could chuck a million lines on the graph to say that Bitcoin's coming up. Most technical analysis signals aren't actually a good signal. They're, they're, they're neither a buy or a sell when it comes to realistically actually looking at price. Now, what's more important is to understand the fundamentals and the macro trend of what you're trading. Because once you actually understand that narrative of the fundamentals of what's actually happening within that space, very much like when you anal analyze stocks, you'll be able to get a bias on which way the market should be looking to go. So when we do, well, we use Bitcoin for an example right now, and Bitcoin's obviously been performing very, very well over the last coming weeks. I'm not sure if you've seen it but it's been down very much from 3,400 or wherever it bottomed when we had that absolute catastrophic day as well as the stock market and then it's been very much been able to rise along with traditional equities now when, when I say traditional equities I mean stocks and ETFs and everything like that now what I know fundamentally about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is very much viewed as a risk on asset and now when it is viewed as a risk on asset if the stock market drops People aren't going to want to leave that, take their money out of the stock market and be able to chuck it into something like Bitcoin. Okay, that, that's a that's a big issue. Okay, even though they are two completely separate things, which is going to mean that Bitcoin's price will also drop along with those traditional equities at the moment because it isn't being proved proven as that sort of safe haven and that hedge against those traditional markets very much something like gold has very much been seen to do so what that causes is we had i don't know i think we called it black monday or black thursday and bitcoin lost 50 percent of its purchasing power about a month and a half ago it, it was the price went from about 8k down to as i say three, three and a half k or for 3,800. And, and that shouldn't happen, but it only happens because people get scared. It's viewed as that risk on asset. People panic, so it, so it drops. And now when those traditional equities start turning back around, now you see money start flowing back up into Bitcoin because it's been very, very correlated to that. So that's kind of the macro trend. And that's the thing that you kind of need to be following when it when it comes to bitcoin and now also what's happening with bitcoin is we have coming up literally in about 10 days or so it's called the bitcoin halvening and now with that or the 
halving how the people say it. But what's happening with that is um, a bit, as Bitcoin gets mined and people get rewarded, I don't want to go in too deep about it because it's so, so much about it. But when Bitcoin gets mined, those miners who validate those transactions get rewarded by being paid new bitcoins that come into the system okay and as the bit as a way to combat inflation what satoshi nakamoto did the guy who invented um bitcoin or a group of people we don't know he basically scheduled every two hundred and ten thousand blocks for the mining rewards to be cut in half so we're going from 12 and a half bitcoins down to 6.25 now why this is such of what you would see as a bullish event for bitcoin is because when you have that reduction in supply and you have economics and i mean it's a perfect example when you have a reduction in the supply but you have the demand that is still there the price is going to rise and i, I like to use an example which is really basic and say if you have five rocks and you have five people demanding those rocks so we're in equilibrium with each other because supply is equal to demand now if we have that reduction in the supply and we say drop down to three but we still have five people demanding those rocks the issue now is that we don't have enough rocks to go around so what we need to do is increase the price so that way we can get back to that equilibrium state and that's what markets always need to do they need to get back to that equilibrium state of which there is a given price for so what's happening with bitcoin in a couple of weeks is that we're going to have that reduction in in supply but we're going to probably still have that same level of demand if not more maybe in years to come so from a fundamental perspective and from an economic perspective from a supply and demand feature the price will rise now people know this and a lot of hype gets generated around the bitcoin halving so with traditional equities rising and with this kind of big event for bitcoin coming up you know there's a lot of bullish sort of fundamentals bullish sentiment now what i want to do with that so my bias is now long so um, and when I mean long, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the price, the path of least resistance for Bitcoin is most likely going to be up than down. Now, when I have that bias, I know that I want to be looking for long trades. I want to be getting on that side of the market. So I want to be accumulating Bitcoin, looking to, to sell slightly higher. So now this is where the technicals come in. OK, and now I'm drawing on the chart to try and find out which places Bitcoin might be priced slightly cheaper and then where Bitcoin could be viewed maybe as slightly more expensively. And that's how you kind of should be using technicals to be able to complement it. It's kind of like having a Sunday roast, you know, and if if the technical analysis of the drawing on charts, if that was your gravy, you know, it's not going to be a very nice dinner if you just poured gravy all over your plate, you know. So what you need to do with trading is you need to have a combination of everything, you know, and, and, and you need the technical analysis because otherwise it's going to be too dry you know and, and that's what trading is about it's being able to mix everything together and get that recipe which then obviously you can use to yeah so so effectively you know you have uh an understanding of bitcoin and a, a belief and, and i don't mean uh, you know just a made-up belief it's based on on information and a lot yeah. of research and education that you've done but but you have a belief of where you think it's going in, in a in a more you know macro sense or in a longer term direction so that's why you're you're interested in getting into it and then the technical analysis side of it you're using to as you just described to kind of supplement that but the technical analysis on its own wouldn't be a driver for you to to trade or not trade something you would need to understand it yes completely yeah and, and a, a good thing that i like to do when I trade well I don't really trade altcoins anymore because I, as I touched on it earlier I'm not actually a big believer of altcoins and I, th- I think in the long run I think 99% of them are very much going to zero um, and I think 
either way, I think Bitcoin's going so much higher than any other cryptocurrency out there or an, or a direct alternative to Bitcoin in a way that can somehow do it better. I can't see that happening at this current moment of time. You know, um, and so that's basically going to put all other altcoins basically down to zero. So I try and stay away from trading altcoins. But where, again, from a fundamental and a sentiment position, you know, when I understand that Bitcoin moves into a resistance and that basically means that people go, if Bitcoin's price more expensive, people, people look to take out their profits. And what happens is a lot of times people take out their Bitcoin profits and move it into altcoins, look for that next best opportunity. You know, they look for that next pump. What, what's that? What's that next thing that's going to move? So what that happens in Bitcoin terms is altcoins then after Bitcoin pumps and then get stuck at a resistance and holds off. Then you tend to see that altcoins then get a sudden jump up and you can be able to be able to capitalize on those as well from that kind of understanding and then again you use the technicals to be able to trade it but i don't so much do that anymore more so because i'm trying to make more content for youtube so i try and stick just to bitcoin at the moment but i know that's also how you can play the market yeah well you you're you're very generous to explain uh, all of that and to explain the 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 having or the happening or (laughs) whatever it's called um that was actually one of the videos on your channel that i did watch and so i would encourage anyone who's interested in knowing more about that to go to Luke's channel on YouTube, 10X Nation. And um, and obviously there's a wealth of videos, but that video, again, is one that I've watched. And he has a very detailed breakdown of that, um, even more so than, than what he just provided. So thank you for, yeah, for sharing that. Always, thank you. So you, you do think it's possible for all of the other cryptos to go to zero, but you don't see that really in the cards for Bitcoin. No. So where where my my views has very much changed over time from where i've been trading this full time as i say well for i've been in bitcoin probably nearly i don't know now coming up four years or however long it is for three and a half Mm. years you know um but but probably really since i started going full time in this and really understanding and having the full time to be able to analyze markets i come to, i came to understand that the difference with bitcoin and the difference the perfect comparison here is with ethereum and now what ethereum is trying to do i mean again these are my views and people can be different sure. to this you know um the, the difference with bitcoin is it's trying to be money and, it, and it, in a lot of way i think it's a lot of ways it's trying to be that digital gold that store of value now what that market what that bitcoin can tap into that market you know and let's compare it to gold so many times you know gold has a market cap of nine trillion okay and that's where you take all the gold in circulation now if we look at bitcoin okay and we look at it from a market cap perspective we know that roughly with all the money pumped into bitcoin it's about 150 billion 140 billion i'd need to look up the stats to say obviously it fluctuates so much as price fluctuates so much but if we were to get to the price of Uh, of gold. And in many ways, I see Bitcoin as a better alternative to gold. So I don't see that as that far fetched. So I definitely can see a world in the next 10 to 20 years, where Bitcoin steals some of that value from gold. And if that happens, that moves Bitcoin into the trillions of market cap. And and what we see there is if if Bitcoin was to become as big as gold, say 9 trillion, don't think that's that unrealistic. You know, that's 69 times more than at today's prices. So that the market that Bitcoin is trying to tap into is in my opinion a lot bigger than Ethereum because where Ethereum is trying to be, it's trying to um, it's trying to decentralize everything in a way and make decentralized web applications by um, uh, instead of having that third party intermediary. Where at the moment with Bitcoin, I mean with the fiat system, we obviously have those banks as that middleman. You know, Bitcoin doesn't have that. The the issue with 
doing that with web apps, I don't actually think that's the correct system. And you know, and when we have Facebook and we have Instagram, we can't have that decentralized system because it's making it too complex. We need that middleman to be able to hold on to our data and be able to use where we can trust their data for that. Whereas if we leave it up to lots of different nodes all around the world, and that's what's happening with Ethereum, it makes it very, very slow. And that's the issue with blockchains. Why I'm not so much a believer in blockchain technology is that blockchains are very, very slow, you know, and Bitcoin has a very, very long way for it still to go. Bitcoin is very, very slow, but it's having different things built on top of Bitcoin, like the Lightning Network, you know, and what this does is a solution for off-chain scaling. And by that, it's making Bitcoin um, a lot more scalable and be able to transact a a lot more with it. But, But the issue with Ethereum at the moment, I don't see the killer application for it because I don't believe in the world that it's trying to disrupt because I actually think the world that with um, web applications, you know, I believe it needs that third party. But whereas with Bitcoin, where I see that slightly different is because it's trying to be money and there is a fundamental issue with the current banking system and there is a fundamental issue with inflation and Bitcoin is a, is the is a, is an answer towards that. I'm not saying it's the right answer, but it's a solution towards that. So I believe in that much more fundamentally than I can ever do in something like Ethereum. Would you recommend that someone introduce themselves into this this world of, of trading um, and, and investing in cryptocurrency, or would you advise if they start in something like stock? So, when it comes to Bitcoin and um, wh- why it's so so powerful, I think everyone should own a little bit of Bitcoin. Now, I'm not saying a lot. I'm, I, I definitely do not get yourself over leveraged in this space because Bitcoin is very, very volatile and, you know, you see massive, massive swings. But the the thing is with Bitcoin is that it's a hedge against that current system. And, you know, with that risk to reward, okay, let's say we have $1,000 spare, you know, and, and I think everyone at some point in time could be able to work up to be able to invest something like that, you know. And if we invest $1,000 into Bitcoin, you know, is it going to zero Probably not anymore. You know, it's been here too long. I, I can't see a world where Bitcoin's going to go to zero unless something catastrophic happens where we get a 51% attack on the blockchain or whatever. But every day that a new block is mined, you know, that that's just becoming less likely. So if we have the situation where we might lose 75, 80% of our investment, you know, we lose $800 on our, on our investment. Don't get me wrong, that absolutely sucks. But now if we look at the upside to Bitcoin, okay? So we know that if it is to become something as big as 
gold, you know, that's 69 times more than at today's prices, okay? And, you know, if it was to become something greater than gold and, you know, something like the world's reserve currency, which I honestly do not believe is that far-fetched in such a long um, term scale where I'm talking about 40, 50 plus years, because to think that the US dollar is going to be here in 150 years time, I actually don't think it, it I don't think it's going to be that. I think there's going to be a new monetary better system, whereas Whereas fiat was brought in back when the gold standard was introduced, obviously we transacted in gold and um, gold and silver. And where banks came along, the governments came along. They were right. How can we get? How can we get dominance of this? You know, and they've gone right. You give us your gold, okay, and we'll give you this paper money, okay. And what's happened over time is they've manipulated that. And where where it was better as it was easier to exchange as a um, peer to peer cash don't get me wrong it was able to beat that as gold but the issue is now that we've pressed that paper printer a few too many times you know and it, you right. just have to look at the federal reserve now how much you've printed the three trillion which is absolutely astronomical whatever the number it is but <laughs> but but, it, but but it's it's insane because when we actually look at where they're getting their money from you know when we press that paper printer we're not necessar- necessarily creating new value. All we are doing by that is essentially, and as a way as I see it, and this is what the fundamental problem with inflation is for me, is you're taking money from savers, and, and, and the number one people who save the most are going to be um, the ultra wealthy, but you're also stealing um, a lot of money from the people who live paycheck to paycheck. Because when you print new money, essentially, if we have me and you, okay, and then we have the governments, we have three parties, okay, and we each have $10, okay. And now the issue with this is if the government print that button and go, right, we now have $20, but we both still have $10. What essentially they have done there, because every the value has to remain at 100%, if you understand what I'm saying here. So we each at the start have 33% purchasing power. Now, when they've printed that money free of charge for them and given themselves $20, they've devalued our $10 stake. Can you see that? And they've taken their value off of us and they've given it to themselves. And then what happens now is they choose to redistribute it wherever they wherever they please. OK, and and the issue with that is, is very much I touched on is by clicking that paper printer, you're not necessarily creating new value. You're taking money from the private sector. So the ultra wealthy who save the most, because that's where you're getting the most of the money from. And you're also stealing it from the people who live paycheck to paycheck. And then you're redistributing it out into the public sector. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, something that you'd touched on with the, 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 the having is there, you know, is that the Bitcoin miners are going to be to see literally 50% of the return that they're getting for the same work that they've been doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. So as such, does that mean that you think that there will be a significant reduction in Bitcoin miners? Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. That- yeah. So it's a very competitive space. And, you know, it, so Bitcoin miners are all based on energy. You know, if, if, because they have to take real world energy to be able to mine those bitcoins, which takes a lot of lot of energy. And this is a big problem with Bitcoin. You know, I'm not saying Bitcoin's the saver, and it has it doesn't have problems. It most definitely does. Um, one sure. of them being the money. It takes too much energy. Now, with that real world energy, if you're a miner and you're producing at a low rate, so your energy and where you live is very very high. It costs the cost of it is very high. Then obviously the profits that you're going to get back from being able to mine those bitcoins and be able to solve those. 
is going to be less than a miner who can compete somewhere in, say, like Iceland, where electricity is obviously very, very cheap. So now when we're going to get a reduction in that supply, it's going to have to, a lot of miners will lose their space, you know, 100 percent because they won't be able to compete with these other miners. Well, and so does the reduction in miners, then that leads to a reduction in the amount of new bitcoins that are mined does does that have a negative impact on the whole thing or does that not no, even make any sense uh, no 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 it does make sense it does make sense so so what happens with bitcoin i'm not sure how often it is it's, it's a certain amount of blocks okay and um after every so how bitcoin transaction works is when i send money to you it gets put into a block and then a miner my after that blocks for a miner mines that block it happens roughly every 10 minutes or so okay and, and miners all around the world compete to be able to solve that problem and then be able to get paid those new bitcoins okay now when there's a reduction in miners okay and we have the difficulty set at still this high level okay well th then it's going to be harder for those miners to be able to compete so what happens in the system is that it is encoded within bitcoin that the i'm not sure how many blocks as i touched on but after a certain amount of blocks it actually re it, it assesses the difficulty rating of the hash rate of how difficult it was to be able to mine those blocks and then it makes it easier for you so that way if you have less miners competing for it obviously harder to be able to solve the problem because you have less people doing it then the system will be able to work that out after so many blocks have been mined and then it would lower the difficulty rating for bitcoin so then for the next set of blocks it's combated that way does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so um if you know, you, you touched on earlier, you know, wanting to, to take possession of, of Bitcoin yourself directly. Um, if someone wanted to, you know, listens to this and, and goes out to 10X Nation and, and kind of educates themselves on, on, on how to get started with all this, is there anywhere that you suggest, and I, I, I don't anticipate that you have a paid sponsorship or anything, <laughs> but is there anywhere you people go to um, to you know, buy their their Bitcoin or exchange their Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I, I'm 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 not paid from um, anyone to do anything. I mean, at the moment, I'm actually being a beta tester for a a new exchange. But I mean, I wouldn't recommend them because I don't know them well enough myself. So I, I <laughs> yes, I'm being paid to ch test their stuff. But I mean, I'm not gonna. Right. if i don't know what they are myself but, but who i personally use is kraken um and i i i like kraken i would personally use kraken um i would probably advise maybe against coinbase i i would 100 advise against using it on your mobile phone a lot of people buy bitcoins through their mobile phone and what people don't know is and a lot of exchanges catch you out for is they wrap up the fees on mobile phones when people use their mobiles so if you have access to your laptop or a computer buy the bitcoins on the web because you will get given a better fee than what you would do on the show but about five or six times so astronomical more on your mobile you get charged about five or six times more for just making oh, that trade wow. yeah it's really bad yeah 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 it's really bad <laughs> i had no idea all right though. yeah um so do you see in in bitcoin trading is there the same types of um like when it comes to stocks i mean you know obviously you can buy and sell stocks but then you can also do shorts and mm -hmm. and do all these different options are, are those same options trading yes you can so um what you what happens when you trade bitcoin and as a trader yeah there's two different ways you can trade bitcoin essentially there's what's called spot trading and now when you buy when you do a spot trade you're physically buying the bitcoins yourself and then you could transfer them off the exchange and do with them as you please and when you sell those bitcoins you're physically selling the bitcoin itself now um with the stock market and the stock market is very similar to this you can physically buy the shares and you can own those shares 
shares or when you do what's something like cfd trading you're and it's the same with bitcoin what, what this is is essentially what's called futures trading and now what happens with futures trading why this is slightly different and why you can do a lot more with it but also at the same time a whole lot more risky and you can also short with bitcoin with this but when you do a futures trade you're essentially buying a contract that represents that bitcoin and then it's much more like a bet now okay because i'm buying that contract off of someone else and now with that contract i'm betting against them so if they if i'm long on the market so i think it's going to go or let's say i'm short on the market the other way I'm I'm um, basically selling them that contract, okay, because they're long in the market. And now I'm hoping that price drops and then I can buy it back off of them at that lower price. So now when I do that, I basically take their money because I... Um, I, I make the difference on the split and they lose their money. So that's the difference between a futures contract and um, actually a spot trade. Now, why you can short that and why you can't short in a um, because when you're when you're you're physically selling a Bitcoin, you know, you, you can't. You, yeah, yes, you can buy it back down lower but with a contract you can do a lot more with it and you can also do what's called leverage trading which means you basically um up front only a little bit um say i have one grand in the account i can then trade up to 10 grand into the account and do a 10x on it even though i don't have that money but then the flip side to that is if it only moves 10 percent now i will lose all my money you know it'll be cashed out for that so that's how a futures and a spot contract on a very very basic level obviously that's how they work and they do have those within um crypto as well and i i uh, go short on bitcoin most definitely to be able to earn myself more bitcoins in the process gotcha so you you're involved in both types of trading both the spot trading and or the future side of it yes yeah yeah very much so i mean i don't i if i have the option to be able to make a spot trade understand that the fees are cheaper on a spot trade because a futures trade is more complex and you can do more stuff with it so if i have the option to make a spot trade i'll make a spot trade but um if if for example if i'm so confident that the market's going to drop and i want to be or say i felt i was too overexposed long and i had too much waiting long what you can do is essentially a hedge against the market as well to be able to mitigate that risk is you can enter a very very small short trade so that way if it does drop it it ables to balance out your waiting so you know that's that's the benefit of being able to short Bitcoin and, and how that works, as I said, is you put up that little bit of Bitcoin as kind of collateral against someone else and then you bet it drops to be able to gain their Bitcoins off of them. You know, obviously, Tenex Nation is going to be uh, the, the the primary resource that you would suggest, uh, and, and and you know, hey, I'm I'm not making uh, I'm not, I don't say that flippantly. Again, you know, the whole reason I reached out to you um, and and wanted you to come on the show is because I think that what you're doing is awesome, and I think you've got a lot of great content. 
are there any other resources that you would suggest that people check out if they want to get into uh, investing? And- the, if with Bitcoin, um, with, with Bitcoin specifically, um, there's a book called, um, called The Bitcoin Standard. Um, I would 100% recommend if anyone wants an understanding of Bitcoin to um, go and have a look at that one. It is, a, it is an amazing, amazing book. Um, there's a couple of different podcasts that um, I've listened to over the years again when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, the Peter McCormack one, the What Bitcoin Did. Again, it's very much focused around Bitcoin and that that's a um, great place to start. Now, when it comes into the stock market and being able to understand those equities, um, a very good place is just starting off at Investopedia um, and being able to understand uh, what those different things mean. I, for my, all my research, I use Bloomberg and that's being able to, and just, and just reading the news and reading financial news has actually been able to teach me a lot. It is a subscription of about 30 pound a month or, or whatever it is. But, um, through those different news things, they, what I tend to find in a lot of ways that I actually taught myself a lot of this, um, because I had no education in this space at all. You know, um, when I didn't understand something from these news things, from what they were talking about, I would just Google it. You know, I'd just look it up on YouTube, and I found that is a great resource tool. So it's not so much somewhere to go and just be able to teach you everything, but you know. Sure. Um, I, I, when it comes to the stock market, um, definitely to, to be able to understand search terms and everything, 100% Investopedia is an amazing free source. Um, for, for the news and stuff, I, I personally use Bloomberg. You can use um, free sources like Yahoo Finance. And if you don't understand anything, just be able just go off. If you don't understand what that word means, you know, a, a P ratio or whatever they are, just Google them. You know, be, they're, they're all free sources. Um, and then when it comes to Bitcoin, um, I would highly recommend uh, the book, The Bitcoin Standard. Um, there's um, also the, um, the, the for an easier, more beginner's place, I would say the What Bitcoin Did podcast is actually a pretty good place. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, it was funny whenever we were, we were preparing, uh, well, not, not you and I, we, but <laughs> when I was preparing and I was talking to my friend, Chris Crabtree, who had, who had reached out to you and kind of initiated all of this. Um, he had said something to me about supports and resistances mm-hmm. and, and I had never heard those terms. And I was like, do you think I should ask him about that? And he was like, I mean, he talks about it in his videos, so I'm sure he knows about it. <laughs> And then I went to your YouTube channel and sure enough, the very first video that you uploaded is explaining what that is. So I mentioned that just to say, just to encourage people to really go out to, to your YouTube channel and check out what's there. Because, um, like I said, you've got, you know, the really great recent video on, on the having that's happening, but then you've also got more fundamental videos that are not just about, you know, current events per se. Um, but that are, are are teaching these kind of fundamental things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to, to discuss or, or chat about? Um, I, I know we've been going for, for nearly an hour here, so I don't mean to take up too much of your time, but um, um, no, very interesting conversation. I, try, so. no, I was trying to think. I, try, I don't think I answered the, I was thinking about after I said, I don't think I answered um, a question you said about um, Bitcoin earlier. And it's why I think that everyone should have a bit of their portfolio in bitcoin and it's from a risk to reward standpoint i kind of i think i just stopped speaking i don't know what i was doing i went off on a tangent but um why bitcoin in my view is such a um good investment and why i think everyone should have a little bit of exposure in it and uh it's very much from that risk to reward perspective i'm gonna go back to that one grand example that i was talking about earlier we might lose 80 percent of our investment but the problem the, the thing is we will be able to gain back from that it will suck but very much is something that everyone can gain back from but now the difference is the upside 
far, far outweighs this. And there's no other asset which is going to be able to, from sort of that fundamental, you know, the stock market, yes, there's going to be a couple of those stocks, but not kind of as big as something like Bitcoin, you know. Um, It's much more of a crapshoot with those little penny stocks or whatever you look at. Now, with Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. from that perspective, we could still 69 times plus from today's prices, you know. And if we if we invest a grand, you know, that's 68 grand now, you know, after like 20, 20 years or, or whatever, 15, 15 years or whatever our view is on that. Now that starts really does actually becoming life-changing money. Now you can put that deposit down on that house. You can you can do 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 whatever it is. But when the risk now is we might lose 80% of our investment, you know, we lose that $800. Don't get me wrong. It would, it would absolutely suck to lose that. And I, you know, if Bitcoin goes, goes, loses loads, I'll be, I'll lose loads. And, that, and that's absolutely fine. I'm happy to do that, but understand that I know that the risk to reward is there. And when it comes to investing, you shouldn't just stick it all in Bitcoin. Now that, that's again, something I try to teach in this channel. And that, that's why I also focus on stocks and teaching about equities and, and different things as well. You need to diversify your portfolio and be able to get invested into the market and in, in, in not just Bitcoin, but in different things, because then if they start performing well, obviously you have that passive income, be able to save, be able to keep directly investing into the market and be able to consistently over time, you know, just save that $25 a month, save that $50 a month. I think everyone can do it. It's just having the the will to do it. And then once you start doing that, you know, maybe put $20 into Bitcoin, $30 into the, a, a stock that you like, like Apple. And then over time that builds up, you know, and, um, especially with stuff like dividend investing, where you get paid out that passive income, you know, in 10 years time, you're suddenly, you know, where you've been saving that $50 $50 every single month, you know, you've saved that $500 a year, $350 a year. Now that also that investment is no longer worth that because you've invested in Bitcoin, it's gone up 10x. And you also invest in the stock market and being paid out those dividends, you know, in in 10 years time, that money is now starting to become kind of life changing money in a way and i think it's something that everyone can do it's just having the patience to do it and i think that's really an important thing and, and to not go to trading i little people I, I know i said that's weird saying that i'm a trader because if you don't understand what you're doing then it becomes gambling very very quickly you know and this is yeah. why i say um investing is so much more powerful than trading and you should always prioritize your investments because they're from that fundamental perspective and you know and then i try to just be able to earn myself that little bit more you shouldn't be looking for that jackpot trade you should be looking for that jackpot investment which you can sit on and be able to just stand the test of time with yeah no i mean i think that's brilliant advice and i think that makes a lot of sense because again like we talked about earlier it's kind of the long term or the more passive versus the more short term and active and the truth is is that with investing you know like you've just kind of described you can maybe maybe something goes down but if you're in it for a longer term you can write it out through the the end where it goes back up right yeah. and there's and- a great saying that um that it's it's dumb money isn't so dumb and smart money is a lot more <laughs> a lot more dumb than you might think and smart money being that trading where the people are looking to be smart and be able to make those trades you know that that's not the game the game is to be the game is to be dumb and just stick it into something and sit on it and hold and that that really is and then if and then you, if you understand the markets well enough teach yourself over time then, then be able to put on those little trades you know like i do but again that shouldn't be your priority yeah well and again i mean you know if you're working a, a if you've got your day job like i do um i mean i've got a day job and the podcast right so i'm yeah <laughs> my time is limited so if i try and jump in and be this 
I want to be this active trader and, you know, I'm going to be Michael Douglas from Wall Street or something. And it's like, you know, you're not because yeah. there are people who are doing this full time. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have all day to look at the markets, you know, like I, how much more of an advantage will I have over the average Joe? Who's just right. who's just uh, just thinking? Oh, Bitcoin's going to do this, or or, or the stock market's going to do this. You know, I've had all day to look at it. I probably, you know, and that's right. where the catch is. You know, and that that's why people. I, I know it could be tempting because people see all this, but you know that it's really important to to play the bit, be, do the dumb money, and you know, and that's why I want to call so many people out on it because people who say <laughs> that they're traders, they're not traders, you know, and these signals groups that say, oh, buy here, sell here, it's not that simple. Trading is so much more than just having an entry, a sell point, a stop point. You have to actively manage your trades. There's just so much more to it. I mean, we've hardly even scratched the surface on this podcast. So I can, hopefully, I could come on another time. I've absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'd love to have you again, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, smart money, a lot more dumb than you might think. Dumb money is much more smart. Invest the dumb money. That's that, That's good. That's good. Um, well, Luke Appleton, thank you very much for, for joining the show today. Uh, again, the, the YouTube channel is 10X Nation. I cannot recommend it enough. And, and of course, in the show notes, we'll have links directly to that. So anyone that wants to check it out. If for some reason you're not able to Google 10X Nation and, and find it on your own, we'll have a link directly for you um, to the YouTube channel. Um, yeah, Luke Appleton, thank you so much thank for your you. time. Cheers, mate. folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much again to luke appleton for joining us all the way from the united kingdom and thank you again to misha for providing the music and as always thank you listener for listening to the episode today i encourage you to also check out my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by myself and brett lindley pick up your sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters i'm talking about video games although we do talk about board games and tabletop a little bit, uh, but primarily a focus on video games. We do news and reviews, but but again, really try and explore the emotional connections that we have to games and, and again, frankly, just why it matters to us. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks everywhere podcasts are listened to, so wherever you're listening to The Walk Show, you can find Pick Up Your Sticks. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.